This morning, if you would please turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, uh, I think uh, there needs to be a rethinking and an emphasis upon, emphasis upon the necessity and the blessing of prayer in the church among God's people uh, in our own day and age when it seems as if uh, God has let loose the reins of his governance uh, when we know, in fact, he has not, when it seems that wickedness is prevailing among us and righteousness seems to be snuffed out, we pray that this may be profitable to us, to help us to be those who are encouraged to pray and to long to see the kingdom of Christ established. And by the way, when uh, the Lord's prayer says, Thy kingdom come, uh, it is our desire by saying that, that the presence and the evidence of Christ's kingdom would be here. And that we should be those who would do all that we possibly can do to see that kingdom advance. And one thing we can do for that is to live righteously and in obedience before our Lord. Please stand for the reading of God's word this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to start reading in, in verse 7 and read down through 12. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish? Will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Please be seated. Let's go to God in prayer. Ask his blessings upon us. I'll pray quietly, then please pray yourself. Let's pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we would ask that you would bless this time now. And that we would not be thinking of the things to follow as we leave here. That we would not even be desiring it. But rather, O oh God, desiring to profit from your word being read and preached, that this may be our focus. Give us, O oh Lord, the help of your spirit. Be with me as I preach. Be with the congregation as they hear, O oh God. Pray that this would change us and encourage us. And pray that if any of you are here outside of faith, that you would grant conversion. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One time I was in the hospital with someone prior to their surgery. And we had not prayed yet. He was in the uh, pre-op room, and I was sitting there. A nurse came in, and somehow she found out who I was and why I was there. And she said, this prayer makes no difference. That was her opinion. Prayer is a useless thing. Well, uh, let me ask you uh, this question. How is your prayer life? Is prayer in your life something that's way on the back burner? And you do it as you have uh, an op- a time to work it in. 
And you do it uh, before meals, but really your prayer life is very lacking. I think I've told you this, and I haven't read it for a long time, but I think it was true at one time. That the average amount of time a PCA pastor prayed was three minutes a day. That is horrible. And you can look at the church and say it's no wonder the church is in the condition it's in. If God's leaders are not praying any more than that. Well, why would that lady say that? Why would we not pray? Well, we can say one of two things about the nurse. Either she was an atheist who did not believe that there was a God, therefore if she did not believe there was a God who existed, then she wouldn't pray. Or another possibility is that she had prayed and prayed and prayed about a matter. She did not get the answer that she desired, therefore she concludes that prayer is ineffective and it is a waste of time. As Christians, we should know That prayer is efficacious. That prayer is something that is important in the life of the believer. And that God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. And the key thing we must remember, he answers them according to his good pleasure. What happens to see this morning that because God has ordained prayer as a means of securing heavenly blessings... Since God has ordained prayer as a means of securing heavenly blessings, we should pray expectantly knowing that God is going to act. I'm going to get ahead of myself if I'm not careful. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. You hear that? There is a hymn, and one of the lines in the hymn says something about the wisdom of unanswered prayer. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer or the wisdom of accepting an unanswered prayer. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. God hears all of our prayers, and he answers all of our prayers according to his wisdom. So let no one conclude when they pray and God doesn't do what they ask, then prayer is ineffective. And prayer is a worthless waste of time. And I will say this again. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, everybody knows the story of Aladdin and his lamp. You know, we rubbed the lamp, a genie came out, and he had wishes to get whatever he wanted. God's not a genie in a lamp. No. His job is not to respond yes to everything that we ask of him. He doesn't do that. And you remember what Packer said in his Tenth chapter of his book, Knowing God, but you've not read that, I would highly recommend it to you. That our view of things is very limited. And use the example, and some of you have heard this before, it's a great example of trying to understand God's wisdom and God's work. He's of standing out on the platform at the York Station, it's in London, I think, and to see one train coming in down the track. You see that one train coming in. But he said, you go onto the switch station, it's got all these outlines, all these tracks everywhere, and you got lights where all the trains are. The big picture. Well, God sees the big picture. And we can see, but very limited. And our understanding is very limited. We're like the person that can see the one train coming in, but God sees all things all the time. Now, the first I would um, think to notice this morning is that... Uh, Uh, Our prayer life is exercised faithfully when it is. It is in keeping with the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
in this great few verses here, ask and it shall be given to you, we must understand in the first place that God answers the prayers of Christians. He hears the prayers of non-believers. He's aware of the prayers of non-believers, but he doesn't receive them nor accept them. And so it is that when we are by nature, we understand that we are born at enmity with God. There is a division that we cannot change, and Christ came to bridge that gap. That's the heart of the gospel. Jesus Christ came to open up the pathway to heaven for us as his people. And the only way to have access to heaven is to get on that pathway, which is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. That's essential. That brings us peace with God. Uh, By coming to faith in Christ, we're able to say our Father. And it's quite true. And he looks at us as his children. So our God is a God who loves us, and we see coming to fruition in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him may not perish. There it is. It's qualified. It is essential if we would have relationship with God that is positive, that it is to be through faith in Jesus Christ. So what Jesus says here in Matthew 7, 7 through 12, is not for the world at large. It's not even for good people. There's none who does good, no, not even one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. It's not for those who reject Jesus Christ. It is for the Christian, those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. But prayer then for those who are believers is to be a vital part of the life of every Christian. The language that Jesus uses here in the seventh verse of the seventh chapter uh, indicates continuous prayer. And so we could read it like this. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. You remember the slogan from some years ago and Hot Tuna as a band had an album called Keep on Trucking. We have seen the posters Keep on Trucking. The idea is to keep going, no matter what you keep going. Well, that's what we are to do as Christians. We are to pray, and we are to keep on praying, and we are not to stop praying. So Paul tells us uh, in uh, commenting on this, uh, in uh, echoing the words of Jesus in in 1 Thessalonians 15, verses 16 um, uh, through 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. So again, uh, when Jesus uses these words here, and the form that he uses here indicates a continuous action. And it is a command that he gives here. So if you don't pray, you're in rebellion against God. If you don't pray... You're failing to do what Christ instructs you to do. We are to be a praying people. And it is as we are praying people that we are keeping the commandments of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus does not give us an option here. There's nowhere in the Bible that we read, pray if you want to. Pray if you move to. Pray if you think it's a good idea. We don't find that anywhere in Scripture. It is a commandment. That we are to pray. 
And prayer is to be a very, very important part of the life of the believer. This is a command that Jesus gives. And we understand that it is a privilege. Prayer is a privilege in the life of the Christian. It is not for the non-believer, as I said. It is for the believer. In the first place, that we can pray and God hears it. And that we have an audience with the Creator. That we enter into His throne room, if you will, by prayer. And it almost would be that we sit down in front of Him, and there He is on His throne, and He says, My child... Let me hear your desires. And he accepts us as his children. And it is also that every Christian must pray to be obedient. What does James say? You don't have because you don't ask. Or you ask with wrong motives. James, great text. You don't have because you don't ask. And prayer... Also, it is, it is a privilege that every Christian can pray, every Christian should pray, and prayer is wise. That we direct our lives through prayer. Well then, secondly, that our prayer life, faithfully exercised, is a means of securing God's blessings. When James says you don't have because you don't ask, that means something. That means that we forfeit blessings from God. We forfeit God's presence in our lives. We forfeit the opportunity of growing in grace when we cease to pray or fail to pray. It is a means of securing blessings in this life. It is something that we should do when we should do regularly. As parents, you want the best for your children. You want the best for them when they're newborns. You want the best for them when they're in their teens. You want the best for them when they reach adulthood. You want the best for them as long as you're alive and they're alive. You want the best for them. You pray they make good decisions. You want them to love Jesus. I remember, I don't remember who said it, but I remember what he said. I think it was... um, uh, Jeff Thomas. You see the Jeff Thomas and Sinclair Ferguson. I can't remember which one it was. They both sound the same when they speak. Have those accents. I think it was Jeff. He said how heartbreaking it was to have a child that cares nothing for Christ. How terribly sad and heart-wrenching it was to have a child that doesn't love Jesus doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't care for Jesus. As a parent, you know that what you want for your child more than anything else is they love Christ. Because everything else is insignificant. They may become the president of their class, but that ain't going to last very long. They may graduate from college summa cum laude. That's not going to last very long. They may become the president of Exxon or make, you know, I don't know how much those guys make. I, I guess they make more than minimum wage. Uh, 
But uh, you know, whatever their position may be, that's not going to last forever. What does last forever, what really counts in the life of your child, is that they embrace Christ. Because the day is going to come when they will stand before him and give an account. And they will either hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, or enter into your rest. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Which is what we want to hear for ourselves, which is what we want to hear for our children. And so as parents, then, we teach them good things. We teach them the scriptures. We teach them the word of God. We pray with them and we pray for them. And we teach them that character does matter. You remember several years ago, this big thing came out. Character is not important. Character doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. It matters to God. Because it matters to God, it should matter to us. And we teach them biblical principles and we pray for them. We would have them to be happy. We would have them to be secure. We would have them to have good marriages. But we would have them first and foremost to be Christians. And we want these other things for them, certainly. But we want them to know and to love God. And so as parents, then, we know how to give good gifts. And here's Jesus saying this. As a parent, uh, if your child asks for you a, a bread, you won't give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? And the answer to that is no. No good parent's going to do that at all. If he asks for bread, you give them bread. If he asks for fish, you give them fish. You give them the things that are helpful, the things that are good for them. And we want to give them the best because we love them. Well, Jesus makes a comparison, makes a contrast. It's a comparison by contrast here, really. He points out that we are still characterized by the influence of sin. You're evil, he says. You are evil. He's talking to these people. Now, there's a, there's a contrast between God and individuals here. Understand this. God is quite holy, completely, infinitely so, infinitely righteous. But we are characterized by sin. We all are. The point Jesus is making here is this. If you who are evil, you who are sinful, you who break God's law, uh, you who at times have no care for God's law at all, you're evil. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does God know how to give good gifts to his children? So it is a comparison that God knows how to give what is good. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So there are two things that we need to understand about the believer's prayer. Our prayers are to be prayed in earnest. It is a half-hearted prayer that is prayed in the twilight of sleep. It is a half-hearted prayer that is prayed with divided attention. It is half-hearted prayer that is prayed in doubt. It's a half-hearted prayer that is prayed expecting to receive nothing in return. It's a half-hearted prayer that has already concluded how something's going to turn out, no matter how you ask or what you ask of God. 
there will be no real pleading before the Lord if you think everything is set and done and God cannot or will not do anything as far as your prayer life is concerned. Well, how does a person pray in earnest? They pray in focused prayer. And that is, they are attentive to what they are saying. They pray with serious prayer that it's important. That prayer is important. God says it is. Christ says it is. It is important. And it is a prayer that is prayed heart with heartfelt. A heartfelt prayer, knowing that God is listening. Knowing that God is going to answer your prayer. Do you pray like that? Do you pray knowing that every word that leaves your mouth, God's hearing, God's listening? Do you pray knowing that every word that leaves your mouth, not only does God hear, he is going to respond to it. He is going to answer you. We pray like that. It certainly is encouraging to our prayer life. We must understand that we should pray also with expectation. God hears all the prayers of his people. It's quite clear in Scripture. Psalm, 1, Psalm 10, 17, O Lord, you have heard the desires of, of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. He hear, and his ears are open to their cry. Psalm 65, 2, O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. And the Christian then prays in hope. I love Psalm 5, 3. This is something I memorized a long time ago, but I think I've forgotten it. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. God's going to do something, you see. He's going to act in some way. And we then we pray expectantly. We pray knowing that God is going to act in some way or another. He is going to hear and he is going to act. So we are to be those who seek after the Lord faithfully. We are not to give up seeking after the Lord. Uh, we are going to ask. We are going to seek. And we are going to knock continually. And we are going to ask sincerely. We are going to ask continually. We are going to ask in humility. That's the prayer life of the Christian. That should describe your prayer life as well. Well, the last thing we notice here as we look at this text is this, that our prayer life helps promote humility and love for others. This comes in in verse 12. So whatever you ask that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Have you ever considered... That the way that you treat other people is according to God's law. Either in breaking God's law or in fulfilling God's law. And prayer, what always reminds you, creates humility in the heart of the Christian. An active prayer life that is prayed properly will be coming from the lips of an individual man or woman or child that is characterized by humility. They recognize this, I cannot do this on my own. I don't have the strength, I don't have the ability, I don't have the tenacity, I don't have the will. But I need God's help. And so a constant prayer life and a good prayer life indicates one who is characterized by humility. And you can say to yourself this, I don't know so much. 
I don't really know what I actually need. I know what I want. I don't really know what I actually need. But God does. And in all humility, we go to him and seek his face that he may give us guidance and he may give us an answer. And then we come to this, as we prayer life, we are characterized by humility. We should see others as more important than ourselves. That would go a long way in promoting peace in families and promoting peace in the church. Consider others as more important than yourselves, which is a direct quote from the Bible. And it is that this rule that God sets up, Christ sets up in verse 12, is one that is echoed in other sources. Uh, there is a Jewish rabbi named uh, Hillel. He says, what is, help, what is hurtful to yourself, do not do to others. In other words, what hurts you? What hurts your feelings? Don't do it to others. The book of Tobit, what you hate, then do to no other person. Confucius, you know, Confucius, Confucianism, uh, he said this, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. What Christ does, he makes it a positive. Whatever you wish to, that others would do to you, do that also to them. Jesus here makes it a positive statement and not a negative statement. And people do not keep this because by nature, or people who do not keep this, I'm not saying everybody does not, but people who do not keep this, by nature we are self-centered people. We want our way. And then it becomes a matter of pride when we're tenacious. We won't move, we won't budge on it. We want our way, we want to get our way. And that is one reason why we do not do to others what we wish they would do to us. We do to others what we don't want them to do to us. But we want to do it to them. Now, this is, as you know, something that is called the golden rule. Well, doing what Jesus says here in verse 12. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. It is in keeping with God's word. An arrogant Christian is an oxymoron. Because we are not to be arrogant according to keeping God's word. And we are doing nothing more when we put into practice verse 12 than keeping the law of God. And as believers, we are commanded to keep the law of God. And this is, in short, a way of loving other people. Personalities sometimes are tainted. Personality sometimes comes from someone who is by nature bossy, giving no regard to what other people may want or what other people may need. It's just a matter of getting my way. Short patience by the way that you're wired is not acceptable to God. We are to live according to, as Jesus says here again, the law and the prophets. Well, a lack of keeping God's commandments leads to spiritual death. It leads to a spiritually pitiful condition. 
And again, one way that we secure these things to ourselves is through prayer. Several things to bring in way of application. The first one is that we should desire spiritual blessings above the physical. You should be praying, Lord, please help me to be like Jesus. Because I know I'm not. Please help me to love your word, because at times I don't. Please help me to desire to keep your commandments, because there are times when I just don't want to hear your commandments. And I live like it. That should be a passionate prayer for us as God's people. Lord, help me to be obedient. Help me to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do not have any desire to be like Jesus, I will tell you this at this moment, you're not a Christian. If you don't desire to be like Christ, you don't care to be like Jesus, you may be religious, but you're not a Christian. And so you need to pray, God, please save me from my sins. Please help me to trust in Jesus. You know, I'm not going to tell you who it was. I respect this individual. But when you come on TV and you say you pray this prayer and you're saved, no. No. It's not quite that simple. It almost makes salvation a works religion. Now, I encourage people to pray and to ask for salvation. But you ain't saved because you pray a prayer. You're saved because you come to faith in Jesus. That is where the heart of salvation, coming to faith in Christ and embracing the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him for your salvation. Another thing is our nation. Our president has promised to federalize abortion. You know what that means? That means the state have no say. If the federal government says basically abortion is going to be legal, and that's the way it is, the states have no say in it, which is unconstitutional, but that doesn't matter. And in my own thinking, you know, we look back at civilizations of the past and call them barbaric. To me, there is nothing more barbaric than a society killing its children for the sake of convenience. Al Martin was preaching one time. Al Martin was a Reformed Baptist preacher uh, up in uh, New Jersey. Heard him preach a few times. Great preacher. Al Martin said this. Abortion has become a convenient means of birth control. That's true. That's true. So we should pray then for revival in our nation. And when God says no, when God says this is wrong, when God says this is sin, we have to say, yes, it is. And we have to agree with God. And the last thing that I would encourage is to pray for righteousness in our own nation, to pray for our, 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 our uh, leaders, is this. When God says no, we have to accept it. There are times in your life when you've prayed and prayed and prayed for something. God said no. No. 
pray for someone that's sick, and you pray and you pray and you pour your heart out before the Lord like you've never prayed before, and they don't get well, and they die. God says, no. You pray for a relationship, and you pray and pray and pray, but it just doesn't get any better. God says, no. Whatever it is that you have pleaded before the Lord that he might bring something about, and he says, no, it does not mean that God is unkind. It does not mean that God does not know what he's doing. It means he knows best. And we rest in no. And the last thing I would encourage you to do is pray for a desire to truly and strongly believe in the world to come and set your heart there. Set your heart there. Let your treasure be there in heaven. Jesus says to you, let your treasure be in heaven. When we know that when we die, we wake up, I don't know exactly how it happens, but I know that when we leave this world, we go to the next. And all the things that happened to us in this life, which were so difficult and so horrible, are gone. For there we stand with Christ and the redeemed of Christ in heaven. That's why we should pray. Because the end results of our life, the climax, the zenith of our existence is to be with Christ in heaven. And that God that we're going to live with in eternity hears our prayers and answers them. Don't give up praying. But be submissive and humble as you go before the Lord and seek his face. Let's pray.